On a trip to St. Croix in 1969, I was the first victim of a vicious St. Croix gang who eventually murdered eight American tourists. At that time, I suffered multiple facial fractures and wounds and was left for dead. This story, told by musician Sherman Kelly, doesn't sound like it would be the origin for a song about loving life and feeling good, but it is. Kelly's story continues. While I was recovering, I wrote this song in which I envisioned an alternate reality, the dream of a peaceful and joyful celebration of life. The song he wrote was recorded by Kelly and his band, Buffalongo, in 1970. The track featured Kelly on vocals and his younger brother, Wells Kelly, on drums. The song didn't make much headway for the band, and they eventually split with the younger of the Kelly brothers, Wells, taking the song with him to the next band he joined, a French-American rock band called King Harvest. Wells Kelly convinced the band to record the track, but he was not in town when the band went in to record in 1972. Jazz drummer Steve Cutler filled in for the session. Covering the role of vocals, bass, and keys was former Boffalongo member Dave Doc Robinson. The King Harvest single turned into the band's defining success, hitting the number 13 spot on the Billboard Hot 100. Since then, several other recording artists have made a hit out of the song as well, including English rock band Toploader and Swedish production doer Jubel. Most recently, Muppet band Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem covered the hit as part of the Muppets Haunted Mansion Halloween special in 2021. That's right, we're talking Dancing in the Moonlight by Sherman Kelly and Boffalongo. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one barks and bites. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my light and loose co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. How you doing? <sighs> I'm doing all right. Right on. That's pretty, that's pretty much it. I, I, I went go-karting for the first time last week. For the first time? You've never been go-karting before. Well, actually, I, I went briefly went go-karting on a vacation, but I barely remember it. This was right, you were years an and years ago. I went to our local go-karting place uh, local for the first time go-karting. with uh, friends. The first time. Friends, Will and, and Steven, correct? Will and Steven, both um, former and future, hopefully, uh, podcast guests. Yeah. Friends of the show, friends of the podcast. Yeah. And uh, they were both faster than I was, but that's expected. Well, yeah, your stats are, you're more of a, a low, low, yeah. low top speed, high acceleration, right? That's... Yeah, I'm an excel, yeah, which apparently is true just because I don't weigh that much. So uh-huh. I can accelerate pretty good. But um, that's, yeah, that's my stats. I wasn't like the slowest person on the track. There was a really slow guy holding everyone nice. up. Nice. It's uh, hard to lap him because you have to pass him every time. Just ram him, Alex. Take him out. <laughs> should just yeah. Should have rammed him. You're right. Did you bring some? Did you bring a banana peel with you? Uh, no, but I did make a banana peel joke ahead of That's time because it it was close too. Because I was like eating the banana. I was like, fuck, I can't make a joke. No one's here. Can't make a Mario Kart joke. And then suddenly everyone walked into the room, and I was yes. like, oh, perfect timing. So I had the perfect opportunity, and it was hilarious. That's excellent. Also, I know it was Halloween when you did this. Was anyone wearing costumes? We didn't wear costumes. It's uh, it was like the day before Halloween. Oh right, it was uh, you know how Halloween if it's not on a Friday or a Saturday, yeah, like, people people get weird about it. 
<laughs> it's like every day of that week becomes Halloween. Yeah, true. Well, yeah, there were no costumes. Unless you okay. consider like a helmet. Uh, I, I mean, it's kind of costume like it's a racing I guess, costume yeah. did but you pretend you were a, a famous racer or you're like um lightning mcqueen i i would have if i knew any famous racers yeah actually that's not true but. i know i know the one guy so the movie uh rush is it yeah with uh yeah who's the guy in it is it is it one of the chris's in that yeah hemsworth hemsworth chris yeah. hemsworth and uh daniel Bruhl. Unless I'm mashing right. movies together. So uh, the only racing guy I know is Nicky Lauda. <laughs> That's right. I think I saw like the latter half of that film in a uh, friend and previous guest, Kalen's basement, Kalen's basement one time. That's the place. Yeah. That's the, yeah, I know that name for some reason. Yeah, Nicky he's, Lauda. He's a racing guy. pretend you were Nicky Lauda when you were, when you were driving your go-kart? Um, no, not at all. No. I was okay. just focusing well, on just time. like not messing up. Yeah, I feel and, like that's what I'd be doing in that situation. Fast, going fast and not messing up. The not messing that, up is what made me slow. Yeah, too much focus on technique. Yeah. But but it was all right. It was, it was hey, a good time. Good, good on you. I've go karted before. Even for that. Oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. And I've, I've, uh, I immediately, right out of the gate, just hit the, like, the tires on the side and <laughs> I had to get a guy to fish me out. It oh, sucked. No. <laughs> Uh, that's, I think, the last time I went go-karting. But, Alex, today, nothing to do with go-karting. We're talking about Dancing in the Moonlight, made famous by King Harvest. Um, done, done by a lot of people. Almost made famous by several other people as well. I know the top-loader version's very popular. Yep. Uh, yep. Alex, you didn't really know this song coming in this week, is that correct? Uh, not really, but I kind of recognize it. Because I, yeah. I have watched Umbrella Academy. It's in Umbrella Academy. So I've definitely, yeah. definitely heard it before. So... There's that. For sure. Uh, big question. What do you think about it overall? Uh, I like it. Yeah. It's a, it's a good time. It's a, it's a very basic song. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it's like transcendent, but I, I can see why it's so popular. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a and, jam. Yeah. Yeah, it's a jam. It's a jam. It's a fucking jam. And that's, uh, yeah, we will see with these covers, just to, to foreshadow things, that like, if it plays a little long, you start to see, like, the threads in it. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess there's really not a lot yeah. going on here. But in some of the shorter, tighter versions, it, it takes you to this sort of dreamy dancing space. Uh, I think it's very cool. I don't even know the first time I heard this song, but it's a song when you hear it, you're like, I feel like I should have known this my whole life. It's, it's It seems Yeah, it feels timeless. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we're, we're just going to get into it, Alex. Let's talk about these lyrics, which, of course, are, are very simple. They are. Um, is, it, is it we get it almost every night, or is it we get it on most every night? I've heard both. Listening. I've heard both. I originally thought it was almost, but, but I'm pretty sure, like, if it's we get it on most every night, then, like, there's no doubt that this song is about sex, right? I mean, that's a theory. It could also just be like, because maybe in like, if we're we're going back to the seventies, getting it on was just like having, having a, good, a time, good time, not necessarily just boning down. Because I I have been hearing we get it on, 
Now, I've mostly listened to the King Harvest version as well, so. I don't know and why they would is, change it. Yeah. And I think, hang on, we've got to listen to the Bafalongo version here. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's We Get It On. And that's sung by Sherman Kelly, the guy who wrote it. So that's got to be taken as the most pure version of it. I don't think he sang the Buffalongo version. He did. He did? Yes, he did. Okay. The re- um, there was a reason why I said I don't think he sang it, and I'm trying to remember. Because he's not usually the singer for the band, is the reason. Oh, okay. That would explain it. But he did sing on this one. Oh, you know what it is? It's because... Oh, no, that's not, that's not right. No, I just read the wrong thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. But I did oh, see the enough. part where it says, like, a special thanks to Sherman Kelly for his b- vocal cords. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought maybe he did backups. But no, that makes more sense. Okay. I read, I was looking at the wrong thing. I see yeah. that now. You see that? And yeah, in the original, he does say we get it on most every night. Um, which obviously, obviously has a bit of sexual connotations, but he's imagining a world where he doesn't get jumped. And in that world, he does get humped. And that's, that's good. No jumping, only humping. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a more joyous, joyous thing because even taking like, even ignoring that line or taking that line however you want. And you know, he will take it however he wants. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. The, the rest of the song is like very generally about just like having a good time. Yeah, and it's very much a group feel, which I'm not ruling out orgies, but, you know, it's very clearly, the, the thesis is everybody's dancing in the moonlight. Yeah. And that's and what we get at the end of this verse. Dancing is a group activity, or mostly. Yeah. And I don't think we've actually said the full verse, so it's, we get it on no, most every night. When that moon gets so big and bright, it's a supernatural delight. Everybody's dancing in the moonlight. You got some rhyming? You got some, I mean, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's simple. It sets yeah. up the the setting and how we should feel about it. There's a moon. It's large and bright. It's a regular occurrence. We know this happens almost every night, or it's we get delightful. it on most every night. It's a delight. It's a supernatural delight. And there's it's the uh yeah, it's yeah. Everybody's dancing in the moonlight, and then we get uh, our our second verse. Same as the first, kind of. It says, everybody here, is out of sight. Uh, everybody here is out of sight. They don't bark and they don't bite. They keep things loose. They keep things light. Everybody's dancing in the moonlight. Uh, where, yeah, now we kind of get his vague allusion to being beat up and having to... <laughs> we're not, everybody here is great. Know, they don't attack yeah, They don't me. attack people. There's no... Not only is there no violence, there's no, like, words, like, bad words exchanged either. Yeah, there's no so bark or bite. It's, it's, uh, it's ki- like kind all the way down. Yeah. It's a good, a good experience. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's really it. And then we come to the chorus. Dancing in the moonlight, everybody's feeling warm and bright. Such a fine and natural sight, everybody's dancing in the moonlight. So not only is it good, but it's natural. The delight is supernatural, and the sight is natural. Yeah. To see people dancing in the moonlight. It's good. This yeah, they're is just, how it should be. They're not doing anything weird. It's not mm-hmm. like, I mean, this is a, a theme we kind of come across um, every once in a while is like your, your like kids versus squares kind of thing, or like people who like to have fun versus people who like to destroy fun. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't address it directly, but I think saying 
that it's a natural site is sort of uh, alluding to that. Like, it's it's saying there's nothing wrong with what's going on, even though right. it, some people might say, like, oh, this is, like, part partying, no good. You gotta yeah. repent or whatever for that. They're like, no, it's it's all good. We're just having a good time. It's totally natural, totally human. Yeah, totally natural to be out at night dancing. Because you know what? Also, I once, uh, you know, I once played a, a minor role in the the stage play adaptation of The Crucible. Uh, I do know this. You do know this. And in that play, one of the things that was like a sign of witchcraft, or like one of the pastor sees people dancing naked in the woods in at nighttime. And he's like, this is unnatural, so uh, maybe this is <laughs> this is a stretch, but maybe it is an allusion to that, or at least the idea of that. Where of if you're like out witches night, dancing in the wood, and we're like, we're just dancing yeah. in the moonlight. It's not, it's not sinister. We're just having fun. It's not fun. sinister. It's warm and bright. It's natural. Yeah. It's a good time. I actually, I brought that up recently, because I was talking about, because it's recently Halloween. Uh, yes. I was talking about the Salem witch trials for whatever reason, and I mentioned Giles Corey. That's the name, right? Shout out. That's yeah. That's the guy. Uh, who gets like getting more getting put on crushed him. by the the rocks or whatever, and and I mentioned that you played that part, and then my my parents asked like, oh, what did what did they do for the for the weight? What did it look like? And I I didn't know because I I was backstage the whole time. I never yeah, saw so it actually happen. <laughs> here's the thing: is it never happens in uh, on stage. It's the coolest part of that character is uh, like somebody else's throwaway line. <laughs> like they just talk about it after the fact. So yeah, I don't actually get to enjoy the the most badass part of that character when I played that role. Okay, that explains why I had no that's, idea what. That's why you had did. no recollection. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's also been bad. like been eleven so years. So sick or something to get like that, so. crushed on stage <laughs> every night. Crushed on stage by rocks. <laughs> by rocks. <laughs> Uh, there's also, I think, a painting of that. Of that. Movie. Yeah, I think so. Anyway. It's it's like anyway. a big because it's it's true history. Like that actually happened, right? Yeah. Crazy. Um, what else happened is this the opposite of that, which is dancing the and feeling next, good. The next verse. Yes, we like our fun and we never fight. You can't dance and stay uptight. It's a supernatural delight. Everybody was dancing in the moonlight. Yeah. So this kind of does two things, which is one restate a few things that have already been said. Hmm. And to um, just repeat some things that have already been said. So we've got our uh, f- not fighting and having fun. More of that. This is more of that. But explicitly, we're not fighting. It's not a metaphor yeah. of barking and no, fighting. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. We, we come out straight and say it. Yeah. And then, again, another uh, reference to this, like, uptight people versus loose people. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, if you start dancing, you can't be uptight. You gotta, or perhaps you can't dance and be uptight. Yeah, it's Um, impossible to maintain both states. So if you're uptight, you're not going to be dancing. If you're dancing, you're not going to be uptight. Start dancing. And then it's a supernatural delight again. Yeah, again, it's quite simple. Yeah. It's a supernatural delight. Dancing in the moonlight. And that's... Like that's really it for uh, unique lyrics in this. It yeah, it does some mixing and matching of yeah. like verses. Like it repeats, but doesn't the chorus, and then like repeats the second verse or possibly refrain, depending on who you ask. Um, mm-hmm. And then just does a bunch of that. Actually, no, that the that's not even the chorus, is it? 
what the dance in the moonlight everybody feeling warm and bright such fine natural oh, no, sight everybody's dancing oh the they just they just say it slightly different yeah yeah and they kind of yeah, yeah just, and then a bunch of choruses a bunch of choruses and that's the lyrics of the song it's about how dancing in the moonlight is good and and not attacking people is great we yeah. should do more of that just in society. have a fun time with your with your buds yeah and dance in the moonlight which is yeah this song good is advice, all about having good vibes not yeah. possible all times of year in a cold climate yeah for sure as you might slip you'll have to clear out a space maybe get a fire in the middle you know yeah bonfire it was bonfire night last night anyway that's right it was shout out to bonfire night check out our firework episode featuring Greta james <laughs> and bonfire night trivia Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, that's yes, the indeed. that's the that's the lyrics. They're not, I wouldn't say, profound or anything. Mm-hmm. But like they work, they they yeah. get their point across. And then there's a lot of repetition, which is why I think this song is like it's not like the most difficult song to cover. In 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 that like having a good time is the goal of a lot of music. So you that's can true. really just have the having a good time vibe without it necessarily being the same thing in a lot of different contexts. So yeah. Fits. And like the structure doesn't matter that much. Like you can say all the words and shift them around and it, it's not like a story. It's just basically saying exactly. the same thing a few times. So You only need four words yeah. in the song to make it this song and that's dancing in the moonlight. Yeah, exactly. As long as you have that there, you can do just about anything around it as long as it provides good vibes. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's also where the lyrics thrive is that the the statement dancing in the moonlight sounds good. It it portrays exactly what the song is meant to feel like and so it's a good like it's like you said it's not amazing. This isn't fucking Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen. Like this isn't storytelling writing. Yeah, but it's still strong in its word choice in 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 that course. Like that is good, and it tells us everything we need to know. Yeah, even like like you said, the title kind of tells you everything you need to know because mm-hmm. as much as there are words saying that get into some kind of specifics, they repeat themselves a lot, and like we kind of already know, like dancing in the moonlight. The idea of dancing in the moonlight kind of already says those things. Says those things. Because yeah, like, why really, else? Like, it, what does it mean to dance in the moonlight? You're probably outside. It's yeah, pro- probably. Like, I can't think of a negative <laughs> situation <laughs> where you just start dancing in the moonlight because you're like sad. Or yeah, something. Well, yeah. Like, like the song says, you can't dance and stay uptight. Yeah. So like, it's all there. Yeah, it's all communicated there, and truly, like, really, the the purpose of the vocals is almost to give. There's a lot of like group vibes to this song. So you'll see on mm-hmm. the chorus, everybody always sings together. Um, and some other cover versions will incorporate other elements of your group vibe, whether it be hand snaps or claps, things that give the, the essence of everybody, you know, togetherness. Yeah. So that's really what this song rides on is that vibe. And, and, and it's conveyed in those four words. The rest of the lyrics, take them, leave them, move them around. But you need dancing in the moonlight. That said, let's talk about the original version and its instrumentation, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, we're dealing with a a YouTube version here. It's a bit of a rough audio quality. Yeah, it's not the best. Um, It's also kind of old. Like, this is from 1970. And it's not like a big band or anything. So they like a popular band. So they probably didn't have the best equipment. 
Yeah, this was their with. first single they produced as well. So, and the band didn't last long, but this was also early in their short career. So, mm-hmm. there you go. So, that said, not, it does serve as like a demo for the next version. It, it has really a lot does of the feel work. like that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. More like a demo. Like, there's a few extra elements that don't that they don't bring along for good reasons. Uh, the biggest example I can think of of that is uh, it comes in really early on. There's a few guitars. Yes. And one of them, which might be a guitar, but might actually be an organ. I'm not totally clear. It's just really muddy and kind of like really um, like rhythm, kind of like a rhythm guitar-y sort of thing. I'm, yeah, it's got like some weird effects on it or something. Yeah. I know the one you're talking about. And And that's pretty much there throughout the whole thing yeah and it yeah it's not i didn't like it very much i it, it doesn't ever come up again no and and it yeah that's that's a good that's a good thing to get rid of um yeah but yeah like the basic idea is here of of the mm-hmm. song and it gets improved later i, I really it think it gets improved later um because it's got some stuff like like there's a couple guitars there's one that plays like the higher melody um, and then the rest of it's pretty straightforward, but like the way the guitar kind of noodles around is somewhat distinctive, but they don't quite make it right. Yeah, it's not like cemented yet. There's like yeah. the loose outline of like a good guitar riff. And then the only thing that's really kind of hammered down is the bass. Like a lot of aspects of the bass we'll see maintained throughout the King Harvest version and throughout others. There's that walking down that boom da doom da doom da Yes, actually that's a big part of like the that that does come back later in a mm-hmm. more like distinctive form, but that um they're not necessarily playing the same thing, but they follow that same dun, 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 dun. and that really is uh something that is is like one of the good elements they bring forward. Yeah. Um vocally like I'm looking at the album artwork. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing these guys, these like early 70s guys, long hair, beards, and yeah, yeah. they sound exactly how I expected them to. Yeah, Same. he's got a, uh, a like a coarseness to his voice that almost comes up to country. Yeah, it's that kind of southern rock sound that Yeah. It's not as like intense as like a John Fogerty, but it it's not out of place in that neighborhood. Mhm. Um, that is not super common nowadays, except in like throwback stuff, but it was at the time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, this one really just yeah. reads as a demo, even going into the chorus, like you get the group singing, but it approaches like a more punk style of group choruses where they don't exactly sound like they're all in tune or singing the same note. Right, it's not, it's not the Eagles. Mm-hmm. In terms of, or or like I guess Queen in terms of harmonies, yeah. Um, but another thing they do, like in their first chorus, there's no lead vocal; it's all just the the group. That's singing. right. Uh, and then he does continue to sing when they get to the second chorus. That's right. Uh, but there's not really a ton of change across the song either. They don't no. do like a big build or anything. It's kind of just maintained at a level of like having a good time yeah like a loose jam yeah yeah that's how it feels feels more like a like a jam 
Yeah, that they recorded and were like, well, we're going to nail this out into a song later. But they didn't actually do that. They just gave the demo to somebody and that became their single. Yeah. But it really does serve as like the demo for the King Harvest version. Yes, exactly. Um, they do have a section worth noting, these these woos. They do a little vocal... Uh, yeah, and I guess I had another question. So they do do that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of near the end. There's like a, a guitar solo. Yeah. Um, and then they have that that part you were talking about. Yeah, you're like vocal breakdown. In the notes of this, and I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not clear on where these came from, um, but there was a, a note written by like maybe the recording engineer or someone saying thanks to a bunch of the people who worked on this. Yeah, special thanks to Jeremy Stieg on flute, Sherman Kelly for his vocal chords, Eric Blackstead, yeah. Wells Kelly for their inspirational raps, and especially to Duffy <laughs> of JT Sound Studios LTD in New York. Who but was? where's the flute? You know what? An excellent question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even think that. about that. <laughs> and I, I listened through it, and I tried to find it, but I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I note the flute anywhere. Let me take a look at my notes here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Groove and bass, warp sound of guitar. We get it on. Uh, 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 uh. I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Unless unless it's like he called a flute, like an organ, a flute for some reason, because there's like a flute switch on an organ. That would be a weird thing to do. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, very strange. Yeah, it's like a little, I, little wink. I don't know why. Like, hey, thanks for the flute. Why? I didn't hear a flute. Didn't hear a flute? I don't know. Yeah, that's odd. Um, That woo section's all right, though. A little bit cheesy, woo. but that's kind of the vibe of this song. <laughs> yeah, and like it's it's a it's a decent rendition of this. Uh, and if it was the only version, we'd probably uh, think more highly of it. But I do think it was pretty significantly improved in future versions. Yeah, it gets blown out of the water. And what's funny to me is that like we'll be moving to the King Harvest version here quickly. Uh, is that Sherman Kelly, the the writer of the original, and his brother both managed to not be on this version, <laughs> right. despite some other members of that band being on here. Yeah. It's a bit funny. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask before we moved on, Alex, is uh, I mentioned in the intro that this was recently covered for the Muppets Halloween special. Yes. Uh, and you and I recently talked about how you like to to put on like holiday songs that aren't really about the holiday, but have like like words that you could misconstrue as being for that holiday. So if it talks about snow for Christmas or if it's about ghosts right. for Halloween. Does this fit into that vibe? Does the song fit that sort of uh, Kind of. Category? I mean, really. Because, like we were saying, it's kind of witchy. Yeah, a bit. For Dancing in the Moonlight. So, I, I would say, if like if you were at a Halloween party and this came on, no one would complain, for sure. Um, but also, I, I, think, I think it works. I do. And especially because it's like King Harvest, and Harvest is kind of also Autumnal. associated with autumn, which is also, you know, spooky season. So, I, th- I think there's enough connections that it would, it would be a good addition. Hell yeah. Um, speaking of good additions, we're going to get into these cover versions, starting with King Harvest in 1972. 
yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, like you said, this was both these Kelly brothers were in this band. Um, although apparently Sherman Kelly didn't technically join until after this was recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. although Wells Kelly was in the band, he was not <laughs> in the city when they were recording, so they got a different guy. So, so sad. So sad. But Weird uh, thing, though. They did a pretty solid job. Yeah, they did. Now, I want to talk about just a random fact that I almost missed. Sure. But the so they got the Steve Cutler guy on drums, and the drums on this have a very soft feel to them. Apparently, he was using a toilet brush instead of drumsticks. That is a very difficult thing to drum with, I would expect. Yeah, I would expect. Because, like, toilet brushes, like, like, I understand, like, brushes that you play drums with, like, they're kind of, like, there's a handle, and then there's, like, a, a bunch of metal, like, like floppy metal um spaghettis yeah noodles <laughs> like or, uh, yeah, noodle rods um rods, that yeah. come out the end and like you hit the drum with that so they kind of don't all hit at the same time and they don't hit with the same force because they're not as rigid um but like a toilet brush like the bristles stick out at like a 90 degree angle from the from the rod I yeah. feel like that'd be very difficult to do, and they'd be they'd be weighted differently, right? Because that's not what they're considering. Yeah, they'd be very heavy on the brushes. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. You can hear that right off the bat because there's that, tick, 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 and I believe that's the toilet brush hits. Well, not quite right off the bat. You get the uh, the keys intro on this. Yes, and the keys intro. The keys in this, the electric piano. Mm-hmm. I just think brings the song together so much. Yes, because it's, absolutely, it's doing a lot of the same things conceptually that the guitar lead guitar part in the original was doing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so much more distinctive. They've kind of given it, turned it into a more more distinct like lick or riff. Um, yes, and it just it's no feels, longer a loose jam. Yeah, it's, it's like... something to hold on to. Mm-hmm. throughout the song and just becomes like the backbone 100 percent, and the tone on it too is like perfect for the song it's got a bit of like a like a happy little bit of a dreamy vibe to it yeah and kind of twinkly like stars twinkly. i guess yeah so it like you're right it really becomes the backbone of this track and turns it from like a, a cool loose jam into like a real pop single like something that's actually hooky and feels like, and like I said, doing a lot of the same things. Like we talked about that descending, dun, 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 dun. it's still following mm-hmm. that, but That's it's right. kind of just making it more recognizable. Uh, they've completely removed like that muddy guitar thing from the low end, and and every all the parts feel better. Yeah, I was almost shocked at how sparse this version is after listening to the original. To the original, yeah. Because, yeah, you get that piano in the back. You get a nice mild bass doing that that little walk down and some boom, boo-doo-doo-doo-doom. Like, yeah, it's basically doing a climb and then a drop. And then that little shaker toilet brush drum. Yeah. And, and very smooth vocals. Yeah, they're a little smoother. I, I'd say still in the same vein as the original, but definitely mm-hmm. smoother sound. Definitely smoother. It's, it's that, like, smooth rock, like, sex is on the table vibes. Yeah, more of the like, I guess yacht rock. Yeah, uh, yeah, area. definitely in in that realm. Yeah, 
Everybody dancing in the moonlight. Yeah. Um, and, and the keys play around, too. Like, it does very similar things throughout. A lot of repetition there. But it, like, moves yeah. up and down. And there's parts particularly, like, leading into different sections. And, like, in the, I think, in the chorus. Um, but definitely right before the chorus. Uh, yeah, you get, like, some really high EP there. Yeah, because it does I think that's good. Neat. Yeah, I think it does such a good job in the intro of establishing what the like what the riff that it's playing around with is. Is that all of its grooving around is then like more more enjoyable to the ear because you see what it's moving around, <laughs> right? Like you get it, and then it just does a few different things with it. Yeah, and uh, there's a few points in this song where they'll play like fairly short um, guitar solos. Yeah. And yeah, they're like fine. I, I don't think these solos are anything to write home about, but it's also not like showing off. Like it fits in with the song of the song vibe of like everyone's having a good time. So of course you gotta let the guitar have a good time for a bit and then it's on to the next thing, sorta. Yeah, it just kinda like gives you a little break between some of the choruses and it's just, like it fits the vibe. Yeah, it's not, you know, David Gilmore on guitar. It's not show stealing, yeah. but like but like it, it works. Yeah, yeah. And it's a three-minute song, so it's not like these guitar solos are really making this unlistenably long. True. Very true. Um. But yeah, overall, they they just make it sound more distinctive. I think is the really like the music part sounds more distinctive mm-hmm. without even uh, abandoning much of the of what the original had going so yeah. it's just like a more developed polished version of kind of the same yeah you, you drop the weird organ you polish the bass line and the that guitar riff you put some good tones on this like a lot of it is in the tone like the guitar sounds chill the the, the keys sound you know twinkly and and moonlighty mm-hmm. it's it's a big tone game on this and they they really bring it And the group singing is, uh, like, polished without sounding like, you know, like a choir. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and, like, they do some similar stuff, like, like, uh, the lead vocals aren't on the first chorus. That's right. Pretty sure. Yeah. So, similar stuff with that. A lot of the same ideas? Yeah, a lot of the same ideas, just done right. Mm-hmm. Which I guess makes sense, because, like, it's kind of pushed by the same people yeah, i think right? unless you, it was taken away from those people because they weren't there for the recording but i wonder yeah well the thing is is that this the former Bafalongo member is dave doc robinson in king harvest he was the lead vocalist the bassist and the keyboardist which is like most of this song true <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it was just all maybe it was all him yeah it could be. There's not much over. about King Harvest after this. They like break up, get together again a bit, but they're never like a, a breakout hit. After yeah, I mean, this, this is kind of their hit. I don't yeah. know if they're a one hit wonder per se, but I mean, I've never heard of King Harvest in any other context. No, me neither. So, um, yeah, looking at their top hits, there's nothing really jumping out. So, yeah, this is kind of like it. I guess maybe just having the time. To look at it, Dave Robinson was like, "No, I can do this. Like, <laughs> you can polish this up a little." 
but yeah, it's 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 like leagues above the the original, and I think just a great chill vibe. I can see why it became a hit. Hmm. Anything else to say about this one, Alex? No, I don't think so. Well then, we're gonna move into talk the next cover version. All right, hang on, let me introduce this property. Ladies and gentlemen, Liza Minnelli in 1973. No. Big enough hit that Liza Minnelli decided to cover it. Uh, of course, right. Liza Minnelli, which kind of sounds like a fake name to me for some reason, but is not. Uh, it's her actual name. Um, big in show business for many decades. Daughter of Judy Garland. So part comes from like, and I forget who her father is, but he was also. Mr. Minnelli. Yeah, Mr. Minnelli. <laughs> a big name in something. Um, so she like has an EGOT. And um, has done a bunch of, like, showy cover versions. And we've talked about her a couple times. Yeah, we talked about her uh, specifically on the If You Could Read My Mind episode. And maybe another time? Did we I talk think about one her other time? time, but now I forget. You might be right. What it was for. Can't say for sure. Yeah. But uh, this, is, this is Minnelli style. It's, uh, it's big show tune vibes, big energy right off the bat. We we open with like horns, a little bit of like funk guitar sting too. And yeah, some, some it's drums. it's it's very different because yeah. the first two, like we said, like the the Buffalongo version is like the prototype, and the King Harvest version is the real thing. And then now this, I mean, we said all you need is the is the uh, title to make it this song. That's probably not completely true. Um, this doesn't keep much of that original instrumentation though it changes a, a ton of it, it including the intro there's no yes. not it doesn't really have a distinctive riff in the same way it, it's it's lacking i found in in terms of that like backbone yeah this one's all about motion rather than than backbone yes very much it's very fast yeah um and it kind of goes back and forth between like two different parts. There's like her very active part, and then there's the mm-hmm. intro part where it's like these horns are being like boat up, boat up, boat up. And then you get the backup vocalist going moonlight dance. Oh yeah, I wasn't wild about those backup vocals. It's yeah, I think when it because maybe it's because the original and the King Harvest version set up such a like clear like vibe of like a kind of folksy dancing evening or it's like you're outdoors i'm picturing it's not like in a, a theater with liza minnelli singing right <laughs> right it's it's much more laid back in my eyes so to get this version where it's just like boom we're hammering it there's people fucking dancing in the back we got horns you're like what? oh yeah Is th- are, are we dancing in the moonlight it's it's yeah. a very strange departure yeah that's kind of what i got as what like as much as this is you know all done by professionals it's well put together in theory mm-hmm. comparing this one to the original like this one has a lot of like it's very like st- it has a very strong energy 
I just overall kind of thought it was like, it was too much. It makes it so hectic and it, it just really like zips through everything. It really felt to me like, like you said, like, are we dancing? We're, we're watching Liza Minnelli right now. We're not having a good time. We're watching someone else do their thing mm-hmm. and they're a professional. So what they're doing is not approachable to us. Yeah. It has so, a similar vibe yeah. in a sense. We talked about uh, the end of the world last week where we kind of ripped on the Carpenter's version. It has almost a bit of that same vibe where it feels performative rather than uh, more like genuine or more like on a one-to-one level. Natural. It feels like Liza Minnelli performing a hit in the same way that the end of the world felt like Karen Carpenter performing a hit. There's right. a little bit of cynicism behind it. I'd like the Liza Minnelli cover better than I like the Carpenter's cover of the end of the world, but yeah, like, well, she does more with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have some misgivings about what that is. That said, this version does have a flute solo. Um, hey, there's flute in this. So Jeremy Stieg. That's the only explanation I can think of. Because I don't know why that note would have been in the original otherwise. Yeah. But yes, legitimate flute solo. Um, my favorite part of this version is the flute solo. I wouldn't say it's yeah. an amazing flute solo, but it's a flute solo. Yeah, sometimes just having that like non-conventional element come in and, and take the front space, even if it just toots like two notes, you're like, yeah, this is very cool. Yeah, for some reason. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an odd, odd take on this song. Yeah, and that's not to say you can't dance at this pace. In fact, it would be suitable to dancing. It's fast paced, though. Yeah. Maybe I just run slow. Maybe I just run slow. I, I, I don't know. I like, and so I'm not willing to condemn this version because, like you said, it's done by professionals. It's well put together. Um, this is this is what the youth call a vibe check. I'm just not sure if the vibes are right. <laughs> yes. What part? It's. I mean. I think I kind of accused this song of being elitist a couple of minutes ago, so. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit. I don't know. So maybe that's just personal issues I need to work through. Uh, yeah, because well, it's, I, and it's Liza Minnelli. So me, I'm picturing this one in a live context, even though this is from like a recorded album. This isn't live like the other covers we've talked about by her. That's true. So, but I feel like that is w- what she's thinking of when she records, and that's where she thrives. Kind of feels. I mean, they go like full chorus line at the end. Yeah. So I think, in terms of her making it a Liza Minnelli song, she's succeeded. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And things get like like the piano starts to get more frantic near the end and stuff. Like we get big energy. She had a vision with this and she took it there. Yeah, and definitely. And like we have talked about Liza Minnelli before, and there's sort of a frantic energy to some uh, to those other covers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it sometimes almost feels like she's running around on stage the whole time and like yeah, trying you can to get somewhere, that. like. <laughs> Like, in my mind, she's, like, constantly trying to, like, get from prop to prop so she can do a gag or something. Like, right, yeah. But that's how it feels. That's how it feels. Yeah, I do, I, like, I do picture her running. Not even, even if there's not props, just to, like, look at different audience members and, like, emote at them. Yeah, like, exactly. She, I feel like she's running back and forth. Yeah, that's, that's just a feeling. Like. That's just a guess. 
Um, yeah. So in terms of like, like a definitive version of this song, which is often one of the lenses we try to look through these at, I don't think this is it, but I do think it is the Liza Minnelliist version of this song for better or worse. I don't think she's, I don't think she's missed here. I just don't think the target is one we're looking for. No, no, I don't think so. But I tell you what we are looking for another cover. This in the year 1990, 1990, which we, I think, liked. Yeah, it was, I think, probably I, I think similar to this version. Um, they, now, the Bahamian, they're, they're a group uh, from the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Bahamian, As you might expect. Bahamanian. Baha- Bahamanian, um, I believe it's pronounced. And some versions of this group has been active since, like, 1977. There have been That's a few right. different, like, iterations of it. This is one of their, this is, like, their early successful lineup, because they first started seeing some like international success or at least like recording success in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Cause I know them to be a nineties group. Yeah. And like their like big hit that we had growing up, which was like early two thousands who mm-hmm. let the dogs out. That's right. Um, was not this, I, this, um, lineup. It was no, like okay. this, this band leaders, like nephew or something. Probably. took over at some point um but yeah i didn't have a butt i didn't have, didn't have a butt here no. let me have the butt so they're yeah. known as a and we didn't talk about this last time and i couldn't i couldn't look too much into this they're classified as a junkanoo band junkanoo they even say it in this in the beginning oh yeah and junkanoo specifically is a street parade that takes place on boxing day and i believe jamaica it's a very, yeah, so it's like street music, street party music. Yeah. Um, definitely fits, in theory, with, with the topic of the song. Dancing in yeah. the outdoors yeah, at least with this, other this people. This public dancing vibe, yeah, with other people. In a context where maybe that's considered more normal. Yeah. So you don't have to justify it by telling them that's a fine and natural sight. Oh, no, I'm totally a witch. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So it starts out with a sample of music from the future game ARMS. <laughs> is that, is that yeah. fair to say? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we're hearing here. Um, to reference the, the trailer and menu of the um, popular, question mark? The Nintendo, wi- Nintendo Switch <laughs> fighting game ARMS. It's a cool game in its defense. It is a cool I, game. I know it hasn't sold as well as it should, but... I mean, I bought it for a reason, and it wasn't just because it launched on my birthday. <laughs> but yeah, it's... So for most of people, most human beings who won't understand what ARMS music sounds like, that's this, like, whoa... So, whoa. This, like, group choir whoa. in a sort of lower... Yeah, lower everyone's band. singing together, but it's like, whoa... And yeah. uh, they kind of blend. Um... But after and that, then, yeah. it comes after in that. with like some some pretty heavy elect- electronic drums. Um, yeah. And then the rest of the sort of beat of the song is really built around that electronic drum 
uh, pattern, rhythm, whatever, and then some syncopated piano chords. Yeah, that doom, doom, doom. Yeah. Yeah, pretty simple. It's that and that, and then for breaks between verses, we get that. I think it's a steel drum. Is it that? Dun, 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 yeah, dun, 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 yeah. Dun. Sounds like a steel drum. Um, but I uh, they they bring in some more stuff. Like this is street party music, so they bring in a bunch of horns and stuff on the chorus. And there's a ton of yeah. backups. There's a kind of funky guitar thing going on. So this is definitely like party vibes. Yeah, which is which is the right ballpark for sure. Yeah, for I, I vibe check. These guys got it right. It's a different party, but it's still like yes, chill. It's a, it's but a, with a very a different party. It's it's bigger, I think, to to me. Yes, because for sure, the original feels more. As much as it's everyone dancing, it's everyone is kind of paired off. Is does that make sense? It feels more it, intimate. It feels a little intimate. Yeah, for it's sure. more like party with friends versus party with just everybody. Yeah, um, this is the whole town partying where that's like yeah. you and your friends going out to the woods. So that seems to be what's going on here. Yeah, and I think that is supported by the the very boisterous intro because it's not just the group singing. There's all this like auxiliary percussion. There's like whistling and like some cheering noises and then it's just kind of like shaking. Yeah, like people shouting in a group. Yeah. Or, or getting excited in a group. Yeah, so you get that. Then we break into the the very simple breakdown. Um, yeah, their composition's really simple. Sometimes there's a bit of guitar in the mix, um, and the bass is also like they're there, but they're very subdued. And then the the chorus is very chill. You get the group vocals. These guys are probably the closest to like super professional choral vocals. <laughs> that we like, yeah. Well, except for Liza Minnelli. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, and then kind of it gets into like the latter half of the song. This is a longer version than the other ones. This one is the only one that's over four minutes. Yeah. Um, and we- mostly that's because we kind of party at the end. Like there's a lot of repeating choruses and like he says, can you feel a lot? That's his like ad lib line. Yeah, a lot of ad lib. He says, dance, dance, dance. Yeah, that would be my main complaint with this hot one, is this is where you kind of start to see that the song really is mostly just the chorus. Right. And then, and then they keep whipping it out again and again. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, we could have cut this a minute ago and we'd have been right. happy. Like we, we get it. But, I mean, it, for something that's built for dancing and partying, I guess it makes more sense. Like, yeah, totally fine to have the extra choruses in there. And yeah, it's it's a good time, and and maintains, or doesn't maintain, but changes the feeling, uh, but maintains some similarities. In yeah, terms of it's, how the song feels. You know, it's the same house, different room, as it were. Um, it could fit into the the party house of the music video for the next version we're going to talk about. Which yes. is segmented a Party lot. House. That's the, I'm I'm talking about a thing. I feel like I already have to explain. It. Forget that I said we'll ta- that. We'll talk about. T- we'll talk about. We'll that. talk about it soon. Keep it in mind. It's not that important. <laughs> Let's talk about Top Loader in 2000. Top Loader. Wow, I can't believe they named their band after an NES model. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Wikipedia says it's a joint rolling technique. 
Okay. I didn't know that though, so I didn't like, know that. And I've was... rolled some joints in my day. I mean, I just thought that was how you roll joints. You, you put it in the top, and then you roll it. So is that so? Top loading would that be like when it's open, and then you just blow it in and then roll it, or is that? I guess that would be top loading. Otherwise, I don't know, it's like no. one. It's like half a sentence on the Wikipedia page. It just says named after a joint rolling technique. Top loading, and then just goes on. Uh, so I don't know. But yeah, they, they're kind of a, a, a group that started up in the uh, in the late '90s. Up, oh, they're British, also. Uh, in fact, apparently, they were the last British band to play at the original Wembley Stadium before it was oh, uh, knocked down uh, and rebuilt. The Wembley, I think it was not, yeah, demolished and redeveloped. Yeah, yeah uh, they opened for Bon Jovi. Ah, Bon Jovi at Wembley Stadium. So okay. that's kind of neat. Kind of yeah. Neat. So this was the next version that became like kind of a hit. Um, peaked at number 19 on the UK singles chart. And then a version of it was reproduced by the production team Stargate, who y'all might recognize for being the producers behind the Katy Perry hit Firework. Oh, shit. But uh, Stargate produced a version of this that hit number seven on the chart in November of the same year. So that's kind of the version that came to rise. That said, I don't know which version this is. Yeah, which version is this? this? The Stargate reproduction or the the original? Stargate. No idea. No idea. But this is on their third album, Anka's Big Maka, which I don't know what the fuck that means. But okay. hey, it was it was the year two thousand. Different times. Different times. So they uh, they come they bring it back to the King Harvest version. We've kind of run away from it they with do. the last two versions where we're. You know, we're doing the song, we're doing some of the lyrics, but instrumentally, we're in a vastly different place. Here, we're coming back to that piano riff, changing it a little. Yes, course, they are changing, changing the tone it a little. And even, I would say, making it a little bit more distinctive. A little bit more of like a, a hook. Yeah, they really focus on the first half of it, especially that... So, like, you come in right off the top with just that very, very recognizable... Um, I it's kind of a Celesta sound, like you get a Celesta and like a, a flute Mellotron sound. So I, I don't think these guys were considered like Brit pop, but they mm-hmm. apparently opened for like Noel Gallagher. Bon oh, okay. At times, so like they're like related because they're British and it's the late '90s, right? So there's a little yeah. bit of that like kind of '60s psychedelia influence. Hmm. And you can hear it in that sound right there. You can hear it in that sound right there, yeah. So, you're right. It is, like, when I think of the riff, I do think of this version, I think, more than the King Harvest version. Despite that, the King Harvest one is solid, but you're correct in that. This one gives it a little more breathing space and makes it just a little more unique. Yeah, it's just kind of, it's just taking the next step after what King Harvest did to the original. Mm -hmm. In my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think you are correct. Um, and then we get the vocals in pretty quick, and they're harmonized right off the bat. So there's a harmony track, there's the main track. Yeah, the backup track's kind of just like a higher falsetto, singing along. Yeah. Um, and we get some hand claps, or at least what sounds like hand claps in that drum beat. Yes, hand clap sounds. Uh, there's a lot of like modern touches, such as the hand claps uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the rhythm. Uh, the The rhythm guitar is one thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Um, 
it kind of plays the like dis- the short descending parts that have been inherited from the original by way of yeah. the harvest probably um it definitely has a more modern sound it's kind of a modern clean rhythm guitar sound yeah definitely yeah a lot of the bad things about this i say more modern but this is still 20 years old so more modern <laughs> at the time <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i mean they generally follow the same idea right this mm-hmm. one but this one also has like the singer gets a little more into it like it has a little more of that build that you would expect from from more modern songs yeah, not a ton uh, not a ton mm-hmm. but he does he sings a you can harder. hear it in the chorus too like he really there is still backing but it's the in the other ones it's usually the chorus taking the lead like the backing vocals are the vocals yeah whereas this one's him being backed and you can hear that and uh oh there's an organ solo in this one yes uh most of the other stuff continues underneath but there is an organ solo which is kind of interesting because to me it brings back a bit of that like really muddy sound from the original <laughs> but oh it's, like, yeah just in a little bit of the song so it's much more manageable and it's not just like there underneath everything the whole time and i do like organs i'm not trying to say organ sounds aren't good but it has similar sound to that yeah also a bit of an odd inclusion because it just like hasn't really been there (laughs) been there yeah (laughs) Uh, although in the music video they try to make us believe that's the only thing he plays which i'm a little skeptical about i'm not convinced that the early stuff is the same instrument but maybe you can really mess with those organs that's true. You can get a lot of different sounds out of tone them. bars or whatever you call them. Um, yeah, so you get that ripping organ, and then you're right. Like after that organ, we get him really giving her on the chorus. We get it. Ah, almost every night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this one's like more focus on the lead vocals, uh, a more pronounced hook, and then just some, like you said, some more modern little uh, little touch-ups here and there. Some hand claps. A little bit of this, a little yeah. bit of that. I would say this version, as much as I did like the King Harvest version, this mm-hmm. one sort of, I, I don't see a reason in a modern context, like a modern public setting to ever play anything other than this version. Because it's yeah, like I, an, I an update, right. enough of an update and like done well enough that like, why would you pick anything out? Like why, unless you were specifically trying to evoke the 70s, you would want sort of the more modern version. So I think. It, mm-hmm. it kind of does supplant the first uh, the version that made it popular. I think you may be right, because I can't get Greta to acknowledge that the King Harvest version is tight. I like this is <laughs> the first one I heard. But also, when I heard this one in Umbrella Academy, I was like, oh, that like that hook, like that yeah. boo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo is killer. It's yeah. very, very good. It really pulls you in. It really pulls you in. So, like, we've talked about versions of songs that are kind of more modernizations or updates than anything else. And Mm -hmm. while that's kind of what this is, it also, like, does a good enough job of it that it feels like more than that. Yeah, I think it's worth expanding on that saying when we usually talk about that update where it's sort of derivatively or, like, negatively we talk about that. At times, we're like, yeah, they're just doing kind of their thing but to an older song, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's and what's th- happening here, but it makes the song feel like really solid. Yeah, I think this is an example of how you can update something in a way that is actually, you know, 
sensible and makes it something different and makes it stronger rather than just newer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah. way. Of, it's a good way of putting that. And so now we get to talk about this fun little like modular house that they shoot a <laughs> right. music video in and the throw a party. Video. Uh, yeah. So there's a music video for this one, which basically the like general plot of it is the band is playing together in a house, and then people sort of start to arrive at this house for a party, and the you know the sun sets over the course of the video and. The band yeah, members and- all sort of slowly leave their ensemble. The song keeps playing, but they all sort of join the party. Yeah. So the, and the, it's all these little like very box rooms, almost like uh like sound stages, but very tiny and all. Yeah, together. it doesn't seem like a normal house to me. Like the place they're playing is just a box room and the only way in is like a sliding glass door to a like a garden. Like yeah, a- like some sort of um like you would have in like open a space? traditional Japanese home, like a, a garden in the center kind of deal. Yeah, what's the, there's the word. So I feel like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it wouldn't be a solarium, would it? No. No, I don't think so. Maybe. they have, But yeah, so it's a very strange space. Apparently a real house, if this YouTube commenter who says yeah. he worked on the video is well, to be believed. It's not, it's not like architecture that we get here, where we live. Mm-hmm. But this is, I assume, shot in the UK somewhere. I think it's actually shot in California. Okay, that, well, that, that also be would believed. be very different architecture from... <laughs> yeah, so the architecture is unusual, and they use it to throw this weird party. So members of the band will get up and go to the door and like bring some people in, so it's like a couple that comes in first, and then we're introduced to this this room with a bed in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and they like show the couple in, and they're like, oh, look at our like mattress in this room. And they're like, oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah, and they, like, they sit like, down on it, one around. of them stands on it. <laughs> testing testing for firmness yeah it's like i don't know if i've never really been to a party where there's just a prominent mattress available but like there's always like people on the mattress whether they're jumping on the bed or like there's like some kissing later on right and it's uh and that being their like starting point for the party i'm like did one of the band members just bring over a couple to like to have sex with while everybody's (laughs) playing music is that and then they were like happening cock block them by <laughs> just inviting more people over inviting Pretend. more people and also mm-hmm. spreading some leaves in the room or confetti i think yeah i think it is leaves because they're like throwing them around like hey we're here and then yeah i mean they're bags of leaves i think yeah they're just dancing on um, the bed very strange in the moonlight and so we eventually yeah like more people come in and we see more of the the rooms in this weird modular house. Yeah, so because would, of the sort of construction of the house from this center area, you can sort of see all the rooms so the camera doesn't need to move that much and then it yeah. and it can sort of like go between rooms without having to phase through a wall or like build a set. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. it's an odd house. And like you can see the upper floors uh, so much of it just like opens into the center area through these glass doors. I guess in a, in a in a climate where it's not like freezing the majority of the year or snowy. Or yeah, whatever. like that would be a welcome addition yeah. if you're not. You can build in Calgary, this kind Alberta. of thing, but yeah, it doesn't make sense here. Yeah, um, I forgot to mention. There's a guy who just rides in on a like a motorcycle of some kind, like a, a Vespa kind of deal. <laughs> Pretty early on in the video. Yeah. 
lots of people get there. There's a fire twirler. There's people sitting on the bed. They're dancing. There's lights and effects. After the yeah, organ solo, like, eventually... everyone leaves mm-hmm. the band slowly, and then finally the organ player does after the organ solo. That's right. Yeah, we get exposed to this massive mirror ball or disco ball in, a, in oh, an upper right. space. Yeah. And then across from that room, there's people dancing on the roof. Yeah, they're all over the place in this. Yeah, so it's like a, it People becomes a collection of discrete parties all happening in one central party dome. And there's, yeah, there's the fire twirler in the middle. Uh, People so, making out on the bed. All kinds like I was of mentioning at, at the end of the Baja Men video, I think you could fit the Baja Men in one of the discrete rooms of this party with their version of it, <laughs> yeah. and it would be it would totally kosher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh there's a lot going on. It it like they the video makes it feel like they're all close friends, but it's like no one has this many close friends. How is that possible? It's one of those scenarios of everybody bringing their close friends. So it's like you bring your close friends and then they invited their friends yeah, over. Yeah, everyone brings five friends over. and then after like three or four levels you have like the entire population of the planet. Yeah. And so that's who's here. It's everybody on earth. And everybody's found, like, the exact right party environment for them. Whether it's the dance room, the, the mattress room, watching the fire guy spin, or just playing the organ by yourself. Yeah, and sometimes leaving the organ, but always coming back to the organ. Always coming back to the organ. Gotta make sure it's, it's still running properly. All this to say, I'd go to this party. I think it looks pretty fun. It does. It does look like a good time. I wish they'd play more than one song, though. Yeah, be, be a little tired of it by the end of the night. But yeah, not a bad little music video, too. I thought it was going to be just them playing in a house. I was like, okay, great. Buckle in for this boring thing. But it was pretty fun. Yeah, it feels, it feels appropriate. For the song. It feels appropriate. It's all about and the vibes, also, man. That's right. And the vibes are right on this song. They're correct. Perhaps the best vibes so far. Um, but we've got more vibes down the train, down the line here with we Jubal uh, and Namie in 2018. They are, it is a Swedish production duo, so I believe it's pronounced Jubal. Jubal, fuck. Well, I said it jubel in the opening, so there's no going back now. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is a classic sort of team-up concept. We've got our producers, Jubel, and then Na- Naomi, mm-hmm. um, who is, I guess, a pickle-loving songwriter. I pulled that quote as well, yes. Who's uh, always overthinking. Oh, yeah. I, I stopped at pickle-loving. Huh? Oh, yeah, you really didn't need much other than that. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a Swedish electronic indie pop singer, um, and this is your... This is, again, this is another update one, but now we're updated into that, like, kind of trop pop vibes a bit. Yes, definitely. That, like, positive good time dancing uh, vibraphone. Just trying to extend mm-hmm. everything you said. Um, there's actually not a vibraphone in this. I'm just okay, trying to make yeah. a joke. I was, was going to say, I thought that was a guitar at the start. Uh, it is a guitar. But yes, it is, once yeah. again, kind of like a di- just putting, putting a, new, a new stylistic spin on this. Um, and notably, it is a cover of the top loader version because it does have the same intro riff, but it's on that guitar. Yeah. It's on that guitar mm-hmm. now. Uh, so, and a bunch of 
what I always struggle to describe in a better way than production, which seems like a very generic way to say anything. So maybe like mm, sound design true. or synth design or soundscape design is a better way of saying it. I don't know. Yeah, it's like everything's stretched out to give a bit of... It feels like there's big space in it. This feels like a very spacious version. Yeah, and everything's so you, very echoey. You hear echoing. that guitar like fill out. Boom, 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 boom. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's... And then it's very simple in the verses. We get uh, finger snaps instead of hand claps. Again, give us still give us that group vibe. Group vibe, gotta have a that. Bit of that organic percussion. Um, one of the things I thought was kind of cool about it um, in the first sections, in the intro and the first verse, they don't really bring the percussion in yet. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it come, most of the like kind of rhythmic action. I guess there is those finger snaps, and then some kind of like. Not yeah, even. Like a, like, it cuts out. Ksh- it's like a bit. Yeah, like a really small cymbal sound. Like a, yeah. Yeah. But um, really, the like bulk of the rhythm is being driven by this like finger-picked guitar. Boom, ba-doom, ba-doom, boom, ba-doom, ba-doom, boom, ba-doom. Yeah, this boom, 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 boom. Yeah, so it's, they really let it slow build. And even for her vocals, we get uh, we get them kind of just single track before we get them multi tracked mm-hmm. in the in the chorus, which they bring the chorus yeah, in really quick. They the just chorus. do one verse. They do. They do like verse chorus and then a couple chorus. Oh no, it goes back to the intro. So like they kind of repeat their sections, but they sort of have the two parts. They have their more um, broken down bit, like without the the bass and the drums, um, mm-hmm. and then they're more like. Party dance bit. Yeah, so it's interesting. In versions we've seen so far, it's always the chorus that is like the big part. Yeah. But in this one, the chorus is sort of a downturn before we we then crank back up for that riff. That for the like dance section because it's more of a dance version. Yeah. So it's interesting to see the song sort of restructured that way. I was also surprised. At first, like this is actually a fairly short version of the song. It cuts yeah, out really some tight. time, um, but they they seem to do a lot. Like they move through a lot of verses and choruses and like sections before like the halfway point. Like they're really going in this one, but it's not like the Liza Minnelli version where it feels hectic. Yeah, we still have like laid back vibes, but there is a dance beat underneath it that's driving it, so we still get that idea. But yeah, I would say like maybe a little almost by the numbers, but like a pretty solid version by the numbers is mm-hmm. is not a, is like too reductive. But no, it's uh like it it follows its structure as yeah. a dance song, but I think it keeps up some dynamics in there because we've heard dance versions where they like set up the drum beat and then they just kind of verse chorus verse chorus yeah. until you finish, right? Like yeah, this, this one feels a little better, and it's shorter. Like if this song goes on, like we said, for too long, it can be a little bit, uh, a little bit much. It starts to wear thin. Yeah. yeah, but not this version. It doesn't do that. No, yeah, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It kind of just presents the idea of, hey, what if the the uh, you know the keys riff from the top loader version was a guitar and a little bit more poppy, a little yeah. bit more troppy. Yeah. Make the guitar pop and then add a little bit of that uh, that dancey beat and 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 bass and bass. Yeah, 
And I think the vocals do uh, follow that riff sometimes. So they'll go... Let me see if I can find a mark for that, but I'm pretty sure yeah. that happens. So it sounds believable. Yeah, uh, like 140. Yeah, later on. She falls, yeah. she goes... I mean, I fucked up that. I got, I got really flat on that. But that, uh, that's, that's okay. Idea. None of it came through on my end except okay. the very end. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty solid interpretation that doesn't overstay its welcome. On And what else is there to say about that? Well, there's a music video for this There is one. a music video. Um, fun music video featuring, yeah. fairly briefly, the singer of this music video. <laughs> um, I believe. Um, okay, that's the woman going out on a date? I believe so. Uh, who is, I think, the mother or of the child? Yeah, either an older sister or a mother. I think she's... I don't know. It's just because, like, I thought sister at first. but Because there is another a paternal character present, this old motherfucker. <laughs> a grandmother, I believe. A grandmother. Um, I wasn't sure if it was a grandmother or father. But oh. oh, yeah, the camera... I, th- I thought grandmother, but... Uh... The camera doesn't right. really show much. You know, I like to see those grandma bodies. Let me see that grandma real quick. Um, I mean, no, yeah, grandma. to say grandmother. that. Yeah, so it, it starts with a woman, whether it be sister or mother. This could be like a, a three-generation family. Yeah. We can't, who is, we can't derive Seems to be Naomi, yeah. who's singing the song. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but the, the video focuses on the the young girl who's yes. i don't know 12 to 14 yeah 10, 10 to 10 to 13 i don't know young um and she's like has massive glasses for one uh, <laughs> but uh basically is bored because she's home essentially alone because her grandma is dead <laughs> she's yeah, like she doesn't move she doesn't move the <laughs> whole time concerning um so the young girl decides to pass the time by just dancing on her own and dances with like objects in the room and just like throws them down to the ground throws them down yeah and again the, no movement forcefully. from the grandma so you're right she is deceased <laughs> so rest in peace grandma um and then she like she goes outside starts dancing outside some of the like neighbors come over two of the neighbors Two so it's still a small group dance with her um so they dance in like kind of a line and uh some some also young boys walk by including young marty mcfly so that's fun <laughs> um with a bike uh, and they kind of notice them and then are never seen again and never seen again yeah i thought they were gonna maybe come over or something or yeah but they're really just there to establish that in this world that these women dancing like this or these girls dancing like this is unusual as I think the yeah probably and like purpose. it would probably be a bit weird because if they started like coming over and being all flirtatious that's what you do in a video with like adults yeah. but these are children so like I think it makes sense I mean they could still come over and dance like true they could dance like children do like children do true um, yeah, it was just a weird vibe, though, because it's like, why are we introducing these guys? Surely they're going to come back at some point. And then she just goes back to her house. Yeah. And, like, sits down. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, this is, I think, an accurate representation of what, like, some girls this age do. Because I swear, like, I remember my sister choreographing dances with her friends and, like, oh, yeah. filming them on, like, their, like, our parents' old 2002 digital camera. That yeah, was like I think three that megapixels. 
1.8 megapixels, whatever it was. I don't know. Low yeah, number of megapixels. A low number of megapixels, I tell you. And like, we hadn't even standardized things with SD cards. It was a nightmare. Good lord. Um, but yeah, that's the video. The uh, the woman returns from her date. And yeah, well, they kind of the do the like a almost like they don't quite do the Ferris Bueller thing, but like she runs into the house and like sits down. So when her so yeah, to when pretend to she be bored, home, she's still. like, "Oh, you have been sitting here this whole time." But then they just start dancing together and having fun. Yeah, they start dancing together. Isn't that nice? And that's the video. And then the the whole song is being diegetically played through a, a cassette player, and the cassette player stops at the end. Oh yes. I didn't watch that. I haven't watched long enough. Come on, Alex. You can't just stop watching because uh, the advertisements for the other music videos and playlists come up. I mean, often nothing happens. Often, true. But hey, here's anyway, something happening. Yeah, that's that music video. So it's kind of, you know, yeah. feel good. Uh, relationships between people and having a good time. Hey, that's what the song's yeah, about. That's what the song's about, baby. Um, so, you know, another functional music video. We've seen better. We've seen much worse. Uh, let's wrap this list up with Cool Killers and Nora Norman in 2019. Yes, Cool Killers seem to be Spanish. I translated so one Nora of the descriptions. That makes sense. Uh, that's how they communicated, probably. Uh, that would make sense. Hang on, let's see if I can find this. Uh, yeah, you translated um, their notes. Uh, yeah, their, uh, they they bio. were friends, and now they make things on the internet. Uh, they're young creatives. They like to reinterpret things as minimalist funk. Uh, they like music, and uh, there's a few things that don't make sense based on the translation. So basically, they're like a minimalist funk group in the vein of, you know, your Wolfpex, your Scary Pockets, but more scary, scary Pockets side of things because they do covers. Now, what does a maximalist funk group sound like? Uh, more than this. More than this, I suppose. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Uh, the other thing that you see with these groups a lot is sort of um, just all guest singers. So yeah, that's right. That seems to be what's happening here with Nora Norman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's all for YouTube, right? Like it's That's all right. so you don't need to have a consistent singer because you you are recording everything. It's not live. That's right. Uh, even though they has re- that recorded live. That same vibe of Scary Pockets, like you mentioned. We the video is them in a like a recording studio or whatever their recording studio is yep. playing yep. the song or stages. They're all kind of just like sitting in a line. Hmm. But uh, um, yeah, the song. What's the song like? Well, I mean, it's it's done in this. This kind of like jazz funk thing, like like they start with this fast, um, kind of it's like doubled up lick. You hear it on the guitar, and I think the EP and the bass all together. Yeah, they really unite on the same thing to do almost a wall of sound. Yeah, and these fast runs is really a sound you get in a lot of funk and jazz fusion. So like that's Mm -hmm. their style. A lot of what I believe are ghost notes in there, where you're just kind of putting your finger on the string and then playing the string. So you're not pressing it down to make a noise, but just to get that. Oh, a little bit of like a sound. Get a pluck yeah. sound without it being like ringing out. Exactly. So not like a muted note either, but like you, 
you can hear it like, like half at the end of the riff. So it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was, I was ready to hate this one coming into it because I was like, oh no, it is just scary pockets. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. They're, I wouldn't yeah. put it on that level. I think their focus on like what they do at the start there, like riffs and making the riffs pop out using all the instruments, is kind of what shines on this. I think instrumentally, this is a very good track, and I liked the the kind of climb up and climb down of their their riff. It sounded very good. Yeah, which is, they sort of do some of that in like the original stuff. It's just a lot faster here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they keep it faster, but it also kind of knows when to slow down. Again, I'm going to compare it to the Liza Minnelli version, which was like sure, hectically yeah. fast. Um, and as much as they're playing fast, it's not necessarily that fast a rhythm. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell because she's not singing super fast. So. No, she's taking it easy. Um, speaking of her singing, does she say sad and bright at the beginning? I don't. I. I, I didn't pay too much attention to the her lyrics the reason is not that i didn't pay attention to her singing but like her lyrics are particularly later on just like completely fall apart and she goes like very ad libby and doesn't follow the lyrics much yeah but go to like 20 seconds in or like 19 seconds in because that's when she does the first line of the song she does not say big and bright really It, it doesn't sound like big it does sound like sad yeah that's sad is not a word that should come up in in this song. I know we talked about how fast and loose you can play with the lyrics. Um, and surprisingly, I'm going to say about this: we went too fast and loose with the lyrics. One, sad and bright. I don't think that's any good. And two, like you mentioned, that freestyling is is a bit rough. Yeah, it's not like it reminds me of, but I don't think is as bad as the Scary Pockets version of Just a Friend. Yes. Because that was... I agree 100%. Just complete non sequitur, whereas this is, like, more in the, like, scatting vein. Like, it's not quite pure sound, but a lot of it sounds like it. Yeah, and she at least tries to come back to the words, like, dancing the moonlight every now and then to, like, to tap that and be like, we're still here. We're still in this Yeah, I'm just talking about my shoulder for a bit. And, like, like it works fine enough. It's uh, It just feels like... um. I mean, she's just kind of saying, I can see the look in your eyes a lot, I think. Yeah, that is well. Looking back over my shoulder, shoulder. I can see the look in your eyes. And just, like, repeats kind of parts of that a lot. Different different times. And Um, I don't know. I feel like there's so much room for, like, improvisation in this, particularly vocally. As long as you're talking about, like, the moonlight and dancing. (laughs) Yeah. If you could, if you're like... No, no, sorry. But I guess, yeah, looking in your eyes? No, no, you could have said, like, I can see the moon in your eyes or something. Like, it just seems like we uh, we abandoned it. And maybe that's, I don't know how strong her English is. She is, of course, Spanish. Spanish is her first language. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to necessarily rail hard on that point, but I think we could have clung a little closer to the lyrics. Yeah, and although, I mean, we are talking about how, like, if you have the title, that's pretty much what mm-hmm. you need. And, like, for the most part, they do. They kind of lose it for a bit there. Yeah. But, like, when they do have that title, like, it's working, and it's very different. Like, it's a mm-hmm. very different style. It's in this minimalist funk style. Um, but it still feels kind of like, feels like the song, you know? Yeah, it feels warm and bright to, yeah. to steal from the song itself. 
So this this one really proves that the song can exist in like a lot of different contexts as long as you have like the really yeah. basic stuff. And I like the uh, the synth pads that come in on the chorus. Like I think the chorus really does still shine, but instrumentally more than vocally. True. Yeah, the chorus really. I mean, the chorus brings the drums down, so they're not as uh, fast, and they kind of really let the cymbals ring out. And yeah. those um, those synths you mentioned, we, we, they kind of pulse too. We, 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 uh, yeah, they got a good pulse on it. Um. Yeah. So me personally, in for it instrumentally. Almost like a yeah. Oh, I was gonna say it's like a fun jam on the bones mm-hmm. of the original song. Like I wouldn't say the skeleton of the original song. Yeah, because, because the structure is not there, but the bones it's, are. It's the windswept bones of the original. We're f- yeah about fifty years in the future now. Like time yeah. has. There's no way to know what the original sounds like, but we have these little fragments of it, yeah, and that's what they found. Building it out of that, and it seems to work reasonably well. Better than uh, most of the Scary Pockets we've talked about. Oh, yeah. I, I'd say just about over every Scary Pockets version. And even with them, I, I still think it's kind of a middling vocal performance. Like, the vocals, I can take or leave. I don't think she's a bad singer. I, I, just was, don't think I was iffy on the vocals. There's definitely times where it feels a little flat. Yeah. But I don't really know if there's a like justification for that or why you would do it that way or maybe i'm just not good at listening to vocals i don't know maybe i don't know I, this is me also going like do i just not like funk i'm like i feel like i should like <laughs> funk <laughs> on some it's level f- on some level yeah, and i'm like but, maybe it's uh, just not newer fun- i don't know i don't know but it's decent this is definitely like a more modern sound for sure mm-hmm. it's a more modern sound and all that said i've been complaining about it overall positive feelings about this i'll yeah. say overall about this playlist Pretty positive feelings. I mean, the song is a good feeling song. And mm-hmm. these are all like, yeah, solid versions. So I, it makes sense that it would make you feel good. Um, yeah. There is a music video for this, like we said. There's not a whole lot going on. Um, they're mostly, they're kind of like sitting in a line, or at least in a line from the camera's perspective. Um, yeah. Uh, I noticed the guitar and the bass are like the same they're both like a red stratocaster style oh yeah so they, so they can play uh, as fast as each other right of course you don't want to mismatch <laughs> speeds um, that's right and uh and then nora norman kind of the camera focuses on her and then she like stands up she's sitting down she stands up and yeah. sings into the camera and bits and yeah that's yeah. mostly it that is i was hoping there would be because i watched it to try to get context for her vocal improvisations like in the in the just a friend scary pockets right where you're like okay he's talking about things in the room that's why this song is garbage i was like is she looking over her shoulder when she's singing this the answer is no she just no she she had a fixation with looking over her shoulder looking into your eyes and that's that's this version, Alex. Let's get into the final verdicts. We got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version you'd play at an outdoor moonlit party. Outdoor moonlit party. Okay. Alex, what's the worst version? And I feel like I already know what you're going to say, but what is it? Yeah, it was, it was Liza Minnelli. It, it didn't really do it for me. I didn't really appreciate the, the vibe of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, it changed a lot about it, which is fine and often good but i I, it didn't it didn't work for me 
ultimately even I, though all I, the parts you know it's hmm. it's professionals performing and i'm sure at a show it would be fun to watch but it didn't feel like like a party in in under the moonlight no i think you are right this song is ultimately ultimately it is a vibe song and every other cover version passed the vibe check the vibes are correct on every other version except the liza minnelli one and that's, I mean, like I said, well constructed, well put together, but it doesn't serve the function it should. And that is why it's the worst version. No disrespect to Liza Minnelli. Uh, but yeah, it's got to be the worst version this week. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good it's put together if it doesn't do what it was meant to do. Exactly. Let's talk about the best version, Alex. Best version. There's some good versions here, I thought. Um mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I, I don't think I can not shine a light on the sort of natural path of this song, which really feels like it went from Buffalongo to King Harvest, and then, at least for me, to Top Loader. I think, I think Top Loader um, updated it, modernized it, but also in a way that, yeah, like I said before, just like made sense and like felt necessary. Yeah, it feels um, like the natural conclusion. I think it's their version. I, I mean, I hate to agree with you again, but I think <laughs> our conversation has led us to this point where it's the only way to think about it. Top Loader did the best. They took that that piano hook and made it a hook rather than just kind of a groovy bit. And it's a version that, is, it, like you said, it's 21 years old. It still sounds pretty fresh, though. You could play it at a party today, yesterday, 20 years ago, 20 years before that. It'd sound pretty good. Yeah. And so it's got that timeless quality. I would definitely. If in, in a public context, probably gravitate toward that one first. Yeah, Just I'm because, thinking if I yeah, wanted to tell somebody about this like song, which version would I point them to? Probably the top loader version, like nine times out of ten. Yeah. As much as, I mean, you know, you know I love stuff from the 70s. Um, oh, yeah. But- and that does not exclude the King Harvest version of this song, for sure. No, but, I got deep uh, love for the King Harvest version. But I, I, think, I think top loader edges it out a bit. Yeah, I think if we're talking best, like it is the, and I'm I'm thinking from a uh, like an objective standpoint, if one can pretend to have that, <laughs> I think it's got to be the top loader version. It's got all the elements in the right place. Alex, you're DJing a, a moonlit outdoor party of whomsoever you like. What what version are you throwing on? <sighs> what version am I throwing on? I I I don't think there's really well. There's maybe one wrong answer to this question it's probably it's Liza Minnelli um but in terms like we're outside and I've if we're in a public context I feel like for me the one that I would want to bring to the group is the one that could maybe spark a conversation and I think the one of the that would do that is the Baja Men version because then you can say, hey, this is the Baja Men, and then people will be like, oh, like, don't who let the dogs out? So, like, there's a small connection to that group. People would recognize, I think, Baja Men, which is why that's the version I would play at this party. And it's a very big, very big party version, too, so. Yeah, that's right. It gives, it gives some time to really fill the space, and it, people will ask questions. They're like, what is this? You're like, it's the Baja Men. Mm. You, don't, you don't know ju- Junka, Junka New? <laughs> Come on, you don't know Junkanoo? This is a this is a Junkanoo party. You should be familiar. Um, great choice, Alex. I'm gonna go in a different direction. I'm gonna go with the King Harvest version. 
I'm outdoors. It's probably going to go unnoticed by a lot of people. But maybe if I'm Just up there on the, on the DJ booth or by the, by the aux cord, wherever it may be, <laughs> I'll be able to make some knowing glances at people who are in the know. So you get a little bit of that intimacy yeah. in the large party setting. That, you know, oh, like, yeah. Eh, like eh, the song. Dancing in the moonlight. And that might subtly change the vibe for everyone in there. They might go, it might, it might get everybody in on it, even if they don't know they're in on it. That's my pick. With that, that's our final verdicts. If you got a different opinion, a similar opinion, want to tell us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guys. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. You can also email those to us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Follow us. Tell your friends about us. Get the word out there, folks. That's it for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, it's such a fine and natural sight. Everybody's listening to Cover Me.